23, that's a that's a high pick to trade. What was it about Hollywood? And when did you first get introduced to him? Like, did you recruit him out of high school? Like, what was it about Hollywood that you saw in him that you said, hey, we got to have this guy and add him to the offense? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually um, had to play against him when I was the coach at Texas Tech. And so I saw him live and in person go for about 200 on us one night. Um, so <laughs> I, I've known the dynamic playmaker he is. I know Lincoln Riley really well, and he raves about the competitiveness and um, you know, the toughness, how hard he works. And so we just felt like it was, it was a great fit at that pick. Like I said, worried that some of those wide receivers would be gone. Uh, we couldn't be more happy. He's going to love Phoenix, man. Oh, he's going to love Phoenix out there. Go ahead, Tone. Cliff, speaking of, you you said you saw him at Oklahoma. Has Did Kyler know and has Kyler contacted you since and said thank you? He, he's been, uh, yeah, he's fired up. He's ecstatic. Um you know, he, he has he wanted us to trade the, the year they came out together. He was pissed we didn't trade back up and get and the safeties for Texas. Third down to four. Murray deep down the field. Hurry. One. Brown. Seventy-seven. We saw him there, partner. They needed it. They needed it desperately. Sometimes you just gotta dial it up. Let a player go make a play. This is just speed. A little crisscross at the line of scrimmage, and he says, I'm gone. When he gets the ball behind the defense, Gus, you know what it is. Over. The biggest acquisition in recent memory, it seems like, you know, obviously we got the D-backs going on. They're, you know, we'll, we'll hit that. Obviously, the Suns are dominating the fucking league all over again. But we have to start with the least expected, biggest potential situation going into the Arizona Cardinals season. DeAndre Hopkins gets popped for PEDs, boys. What do you think he was using? I mean, he's already yoked out of his mind. Do we think he's always been a user? And... The acquisition of Hollywood Brown, baby. I like it. Ben, what say you? D hop, bro. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the first what is it with Arizona athletes and getting popped for PEDs? We had Aiden, we had uh Patrick, Patrick. Peterson. Yeah. The fuck's going on? Um it's those Filibertos burritos, baby. Maybe, dude, maybe. Um yeah, I mean, obviously they knew. Now, now we know that they knew uh, Hopkins was going to be suspended before they made the acquisition. Um, I personally, I like it a lot. I think they're getting uh, a lot of criticism for it, which is, you know, as Alec would say, pretty common of any Arizona sports team. Um, but I just don't think that they they really need like they're an offense first team is kind of what at least that's what they tell us and when they were you know vibing last year everything was clicking pretty well um and i don't think they would have drafted someone at the spot they were in uh you know who has produced it you know who could the, the thing about hollywood brown is that he has a thousand yard receiving season in the nfl like there is no sure thing come, you know, there's a lot of great talent and guys who could be better than Hollywood Brown, but he's like a proven commodity. Uh, and we can't roll out. We just can't, you cannot roll out for seven weeks of the season. If you're trying to contend for a Super Bowl or make the playoffs, you can't roll out a rookie 
uh, opposite of AJ Green with Rondell Moore in the slot, uh, or you you would not move the ball at all. So uh, I like it a lot. I think it makes sense. I think he's undervalued because uh, I personally still, as much as Lamar Jackson is a valuable player and can do a lot of great stuff, I think he still has trouble. Uh, you know, hitting guys who are open, looking down the field, all of that stuff. I don't exactly know the stats to support it, but I think in that sense, you know, Hollywood with some drops, which are concerning, but either way, I think he's undervalued because that offense doesn't really pump out you know, our receivers and he still managed to do it. So long story short, I like it a lot. Alec, before you go, let me just top in here some stats. Uh, despite throwing the ball more last year, the Ravens still averaged 90 more runs than passes over the last three years. The Cardinals averaged 116 more passes than runs the last three years. For reference, the Chiefs haven't run the ball more than they have thrown it in 10 years. Marquise Brown had 146 targets last year, but they weren't all catchable targets. With Lamar being out down the stretch, that's actually a good note. Lamar was hurt for a while there at the end of the season. Hollywood's longest reception was 15 yards in the last five games. Arizona gives an opportunity to be a star in a system he knows from college. Two RG3 tweets, who's a huge fan of this trade. You pair him back up with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's best friend in the off the field. I mean, that right there, what does that say to you, Alec? Uh, yeah, well, I got to start this pot off right here, boys. So, oh, Woo! hear that? That's the sound of a crisp, cool Bud Light. Shout out, A.B. Shout out, Hensley. Let's go. Way to go. Way to go. Uh, yeah, I got a couple thoughts. So I agree with uh, with Ben there. I think the Hollywood Brown acquisition was kind of like really trashed on and shit on a little bit. I think the Cardinals got a really terrible draft grade overall. Um, and I just don't know if that's from a lack of historical knowledge of the Cardinals drafting ability because that has been one of time's biggest weaknesses. So the fact that we traded away a draft pick for a proven player, you know, that's right up my alley. I love that. And I think Kime does a great job with that. So I didn't mind it at all. And then especially now, you know, knowing they probably knew the D hop stuff was coming out. So to go get a receiver, I liked it even when, you know, we didn't know about D hop, but especially now that D hop's going to be missing the first six weeks, I think that adds a lot and gives us a chance to maybe not fall off too much, at least in the beginning of the year. Save that for the end of the year, which is what Cliff loves to do best. Um, I think he's a huge deep threat. And I think, like Ben alluded to, the 1,000 yards, that's also with Lamar Jackson, which you can argue back and forth about Lamar, whether he, you know, is a run-first, pass-first kind of guy. But his passing, I don't think, is as crisp as Kyler Murray. So I really think that it's going to help us out. And I think it'll be interesting to see how he works a without hop at the beginning of the year and then with him when he comes back um as far as the deandre hopkins thing man it's hard to know what to believe you know every player it seems like when they get caught comes out with a oh i had no idea blah 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 i'm gonna fight this whatever and so it's always hard to toe that line of like who do you buy who do you not buy but considering his previously clean record i i don't think he's been just popping peas this whole time I really do think that in the end, this is going to come back to be related to that knee injury that he was probably taking something, some whatever help recovery, get back out there faster. That's going to end up being what bit him in the ass. So 
I, I don't think there's any way we appeal this. Um, I think he's going to for sure sit those six weeks, but I don't think this should tarnish his overall reputation uh, as the type of receiver he is. And hopefully it gives him something to come prove uh, out on the field when he gets back to it. So, yeah, yeah okay. That's my take. I, I feel that. One, I think you're absolutely right. One thing that both Kaim and Cliff said in that opening presser uh, announcing the Hollywood Brown trade was one – he opens the top off the defense, which is true. I mean, when you got a guy who can run past literally everybody on the field potentially, which he did a number of times at Oklahoma, um, you know, D-Hop, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz, Max Williams, Trey McBride, they're going to be a lot more open. And it makes it a lot harder to double down on the guy like D-Hop when – and so, with that said, I like it. Hollywood Brown stats in 2021, 1,006 yards, 6 TDs. Um, you know, he's probably – that's probably not as good as he could have been, though. Like like we said, in the Ravens offense, every wide receiver looks like shit because it's not a wide receiver offense. And his point is like, yo, I love Lamar, but I need to go get paid, baby. And I think he's going to get paid with Arizona Cardinals. Like, I would not be surprised – I mean, if you average 1,000 yards in a, a Lamar Jackson offense, which I think also, side note real quick, the drops for Hollywood Brown, when you don't expect the ball to come to you on a regular basis, I think it's a lot harder to all of a sudden be like, oh, shit, he threw it to me. I got to catch this one. Now he's a professional wide receiver. Don't drop the ball. But at the same time, I think when you're in a constant flow of expecting the ball, like you're getting open, you know your guy can hit you, that's a different type of situation for Hollywood. I think he's excited. I think the drop problems will not be a problem. Nuke, dude, I've learned a lot about steroids recently for like a whole different situation. <laughs> Personal experience. Like, dude, there's a lot of people that are like a little bit older than I am who are like talking about like getting on gear because it helps of like whatever and props to them. But just low key, like it's so easy to not get popped in the NFL. Like their, their testing is so bad. Um, so that either makes me think that Nuke was just always taking something or he's taken something before that helped him before and he didn't check the NFL stuff right away like he should have and he got popped. Um, I also would point out that, you know, I, the other reason why I like this Hollywood Brown trade is DeAndre Hopkins is going to be 30. He's going to be 30 years old at the start of the season. And while I think he is still probably the best wide receiver in the league, you know, last year, just for example, Julio Jones was only 32. And we saw what that year is. And this year he's going to be 33. And I don't want to see many teams lining up to sign him. And so for all those reasons, I really like the Hollywood trade. And Nuke, man, I just – I hope he gets healthy. One positive is this could force Cliff and Kyler to build an offense that works without Nuke at the beginning of the season and in the preseason rather than suffering what we just went through without Nuke those last six games. So I think that's a positive. That's a great point. I think a good question for you guys, though, like overall is what what is a record that you would be like, I think this was a good enough start for them through seven games, considering not having their best playmaker and like looking forward to the rest of the season, what would a record through seven games be for you guys to be like feeling decently optimistic? I know – you know, you guys, and it's well documented, the the cliff struggles, the team struggles in the second half. 
Um, but this time you'd be adding D Hop instead of losing him for the second half. So what would make you feel? And I think they're gonna have a really hard schedule this year because they play to West. Uh, yep. Yep. So I think they're gonna have a fucking really hard schedule. But what do you think? Uh, for me, I think the closeness of play matters a little bit more. Obviously, like win losses at the end of the day, what matters. Um, but if we want to be like a legit team, I mean, we started out seven and zero. Should have been eight and zero if AJ Green turned around against the Packers there. And now, you obviously, without Hop, you can't expect that exact kind of turnaround. But I don't know. I'd say like if we came out of this four and two, and we didn't get absolutely just shit blasted in those two games, I'd be okay with that. I think that's probably a little optimistic, but I, I think if we think of ourselves as a legit contender, four and two is a reasonable expectation. Yeah, just to piggyback off that, I think it's tough. Is it, is it six games or seven games suspension? Six it's six. It's oh. tough to say until we see who the opponents are, which are coming out in the next couple of weeks here, exactly what to expect there as far as what would be good or not. I'm with Alec, though. Like I think – Overall, record-wise, if you don't have a winning record, I, I guess it just it just depends on the, how that schedule plays out. You know, if like if we were to get the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Rams, and the 49ers within those six games, like I think that versus like if we got like the Lions, Panthers, I think that changes my outlook on it. Um, but I think you got to be around 500. Like I don't think the nuke thing can affect you that much if you got an offensive genius and Cliff Kingsbury with a new weapon. And who knows what Trey McBride can do? I mean, he seems like quite the pass catcher. And with the 12 personnel with the two tight ends, you got to like what you see, you know. But we'll, we'll touch on that more. I like that question. We'll have to keep that in mind for the next pod when the schedule comes but, out. But, but What's up? Knowing Cliff and the Cardinals, they would win those four games against the, you know, the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the 49ers, and then drop the Panthers and Lions. <laughs> Another lefty bat in Peralta. Outfield straight up, very deep and right is Anderson. 2-2. Right field and deep and down the line. It is gone! Two-run shot! Pavin Smith again! To another team that uh, is kind of blowing people out of the water right now. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, 13 and 13, a 500 record in May at the moment, have 11 wins against teams with a 500 record or better in 2022, as well as nine games in which they won or lost by a single run. They've won six of those nine games, and they have the second most one run wins in all of baseball. AKA, good baseball team, Ben. How do we feel about that? Are we all in on the D-back season? Is this a summer of destiny right here? <laughs> uh, I don't want to go that far yet, man. Uh, I do really uh, like how much you're hyping me up, but um, I, that actually blew my mind. 11 wins versus teams at 500 or better. Uh, the only thing about that is, like, I just – I don't think – I don't think the team they're playing matters all that much unless it's the Reds. Because uh, if you lose to the Reds these days, then you're the worst fucking team that's ever played. They're so uh, bad. <laughs> but I I give them credit. I They don't have a bunch of names in their lineup. Uh, I think you cannot uh, – overstate Brent Strom's contributions enough. I don't know 
how this pitching staff, although the bullpen has kind of melted a little bit recently, but if they're anywhere, you know, in the middle of what they've been recently and how they started the season, uh, plus what the starting pitching has done, um, some consistently like Gallon, Kelly, Bumgarner. Uh, well, Bumgarner is kind of a different story, but uh, and then getting good starts from guys like Davies and Castellanos uh, is incredible how well they're pitching. And if they can keep pitching like that, that's one thing, I guess, against really you know good competition. Then yeah, they can stay in a lot of ball games and figure out how they're going to you know put some runs together, which they have recently. Um, and it you know I think it's super telling that like I said it like that Miami series went completely opposite last year they had a bunch of momentum going into the series and then they lost a bunch of games with their bullpen blowing it and then they lost like fucking 50 out of 60 games or something i think we all remember that stretch so uh i'm not gonna jump on board because their may record historically is atrocious um but i got one foot in and i'm watching games which i didn't think i'd be doing seriously i did not think i'd be watching games in may uh and you know, there's players to like, and there's been slow starts that, you know, if they get any sort of positive, um, you know, regression to the mean, what we know they can be like Cattell uh, or even like Carson Kelly can hit like 150, just little bumps across the board. <laughs> uh, and I, I know it's been well documented, the prospects we like. I don't, the only problem with that is, I mean, this is another subject is, you know, they, they don't, they have a lot of good prospects. Unfortunately, they all seem to be outfielders or pitchers uh, or, you know, pitchers is less of a problem that you can always find room for pitchers. I just don't know what they're going to do to get the guys we consistently talk about in the lineup. Uh, and even like stone Garrett, who I think is pretty cool, you know, with the power that we don't have, uh, we have beer and Walker will give you power. So it's just hard to find room. So I'm curious to see how they do it. I don't really trust Lavulo and Hazen to handle that. Well, um, but again, you know, all that blabber, long story short. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool that they're 500 and they, you know, have a big homestand coming up and they're at least keeping things interesting for us in the you know toughest division in baseball. Alec nine game homestand homestand coming up last year's best player, Josh Rojas, the goat. I mean, basically the heart and soul of the Arizona Diamondbacks. In Reno, tearing it up. If he doesn't get a hit, he's got RBIs. If he's not getting RBIs, he's getting on base. And as we know from Moneyball, that's the most important thing in baseball. I mean, you got the Rockies. You got a bunch of shitty teams. We already beat the Dodgers. We've already beat the Cardinals. And we just beat the hottest team in baseball in the Marlins. Is there any way we don't go 9-0 off this homestand? And who do you like the most so far this season? Yeah, I mean, Ben Ben touched on a lot of that to be 500 right now. I think I joked when we got away with that first game of the year that it was like the first time we were going to be above 500 or at 500 the rest of the season. Uh, so I am we were as first surprised. Place in the NL West, bro, for a day. Yeah. That's huge. No, I, I, was, I was as surprised as everyone else that they, you know, because then immediately after that they started showing the type of team that we all thought they were going to be. And it's like, all right, it's going to be a long season. And then they just randomly, like, turned it on for a few weeks here. And so it's it's hard to figure out. It's like, do you trust your gut instinct of, yeah, they're a really shitty team that's just getting lucky and playing well right now? Or is it, hey, maybe they're better than we thought and they can at least, you know, make games interesting if not, you know, they don't seem like they're necessarily a playoff team right now. But 
at least make games watchable, which I think is really more than anyone could have hoped for going into the year. I'm a little worried, uh, you know, that, uh, as Ben said, putting one foot in, I'm a little worried that it's just pulling people in just to break their hearts even more. Uh, that 63 game win total line is, uh, something that I think we're definitely like well on pace to pass, but it would be very typical D back fashion to like Ben said, you know, lose 50 to 60 games and all of a sudden you're bottom of the NL right there with the reds. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying the ride right now. Ben hit the nail on the head there with the Brent Strom. What he's done with that pitching staff is unbelievable. We're finally not wasting our good pitchers. Even making like the carcass of Mad Bum look a little bit better than he has been, Um, which also we should touch on, you know, I'll get to the hope for the nine game road stand or for the homestand, but we should touch on that ejection the other day. Cause what the fuck was that about? I haven't seen this in baseball. Well, pitchers been using sticky stuff to cheat for a while. They're cracking down on it. Last year they checked their glove and the belt. And then this year they're like, maybe just check their hand to see if that's sticky. It usually looks something like this. The um just fiddles around with it and says, all right, you're good. See you later. But in this case, Madbum puts his hand out, and the ump just kind of stares at him. And you can see the catcher stops and looks, and he's like, something weird's going on here, and something really weird's going on. Now, the best guess is that his umpire is upset with Bumgarner for showing up the home plate umpire, yelling at him as he walked. So he's mad at him, and he is going to massage his hand for sticky stuff and just never look at his hand once, just stare straight at his face, kind of staring eye contact mad bum feels it happen looks up he's like what and the guy just still staring as he's massaging his hand it's awkward it's serial killer stuff it's bizarre nobody likes it it's incredibly uncomfortable and i don't know it makes my stomach hurt and i just feel gross and mad bum he's finally like in real time he looks over what are you doing and he goes you got something to say Fuck you. And the ump tosses him. Says, get out of here. The Diamondbacks get ready. Tori Lovello, manager, jumps over the railing. Badass. Athletic. He's going to come see what's going on. The ump says, I didn't say a word. I didn't You're say a word. You're looking at me like you're going to do something. Fuck I you. I didn't say anything. I'll fuck I you up. I didn't say it. You will? You will. I'll fuck you up. You will. I will fuck you up. I promise you that I will fuck you up. Then he's going to do the whole, hey, get off me. Hey, hey, I'm still yelling here. Get off me. Get off me. Hey, 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 get off me. Uh, you fucking pussy. They try to wrangle him up. They get far enough away. Lavella turns around. Dan, what'd you throw him out for? What are you talking? What? That's not right. What did he do? And Mad Bum's going to come back around and go, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck all you pussies, both of you. And then, uh, yeah, that's kind of it, man. Then the ump goes back to his way, and he's feeling his own hand in a weird, creepy way. And he's just, now Tori Lavelle's like, oh, my God, I got I to gotta go eight innings of bullpen pitching in this game? This stinks. That's kind of the end of it. What's up, MLB? This is not a good look. If this ump goes unpunished, this is not a good look. That was weird, bro. This that dude, like, massaged, massaged his hand a, uh, and just stared him bit, down. Uh, that was – I was basically assault is what I saw. Ben, <laughs> did, you see, did you see assault like I did? <laughs> yeah, I saw it too, man. Let's get, let's get uh, you know, some class action suit going. 
I like I, I don't know what I've never seen anything like that. That is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. I didn't see it live. I saw the replay. And then I saw a Twitter thread of just like romantic songs being played over it because he's just eyeballing him, like you know, a, I don't know, like a creepy dude at a bar looking at a hot girl. It was weird, man. I don't well, even did, know. Did, did they have a history or something? Like, nope. I, I didn't really no. get that. A Mad Bum didn't. I saw the Mad Bum post game interview. He wasn't uh, aware of any. Well, so. yeah. I mean, also, Mad Bum, you know, if there's one guy who's not going to be cool, calm, and collected in a situation like that, not that <laughs> he should have been, it's Mad Bum. I don't know if you guys saw this. I think one of you might have posted it, actually. If, now that I'm thinking about it, the uh, the three neck veins that were popping out. Oh, dude, I you saw see that? that. Hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. I've just, never seen I, anything like I, that. I this know. dude I was fuming. I got Ali, I got Max point of like, yo, like Mad Bum needs to chill out. But also that's like weird as fuck. And it's like the yeah. 16th game of the season, not like a playoff game. And like, I don't know, dude. I, I, I made the joke. Nobody thought it was funny because I didn't get any likes. But I've seen like somebody in Texas get punched for a lot less. Yeah. And um. I don't know, but maybe Mad Bum isn't texting like I thought he was, but he's just a southern boy. And, like, I don't know, man. I, that's just Mad Bum. So, I didn't have really have a problem with it. I thought the ump needs to get suspended, though, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, that's, that crossed the line no, more, than that, anything, that was, more than anything that, I've ever seen. I've seen Angel Hernandez do less, you know? No, that was, that was definitely really weird. Uh, and, you know, kudos to the guys for still being able to pull it out even after their starter goes down after one inning for being tossed. But – in terms of the upcoming homestand, dude, I think the Rockies might be the only team that are playing above expectations more than the D-backs are. They're 15 and 10, and we thought they were going to be towards the bottom with us. So it'll be interesting to see how they play. I'm hopeful, but I'm not going not gonna to put my heart out there yet because I know in D-back Arizona fashion, it might just get absolutely crushed. Yeah, I'll just wrap this up quickly before we hit the sun so Benny can give us a good opinion there before he's got to go. Um Season for me, I mean, we're 500. Our best player from last year is actually joining the club, like, this weekend, this week. You know, you got a nine-game homestand. If you, you know, do well, you could be – at the moment, they're only three games behind the Dodgers for the division. The division's insane. Everybody's over 500. Too early to tell. But I like what I see. Lots of good at-bats. A lot of those early struggles, lots of walks there. Those have turned around into – kind of better at bats you know the team seems hot lots of runs and you know for a while there we had basically two automatic outs in the lineup so now that you can actually have kind of a full lineup alcantara is gone yoni hernandez is gone you know Perdomo will get the occasional start like i really like that i think uh we spend a lot of time recognizing alec for being right amongst a lot of wrong voices which is good you know, he sticks to his guns. He's a smart guy. But uh, Silver Cloud is that uh, Ian Kennedy is back. The overall storm that that's a part of is that once upon a time, Alec thought that Ian Kennedy was the uh, future ace of the organization. I like Ian where he is in the bullpen. D-backs relief pitching, actually not awful. Um, pitching in general, pretty strong. So, shout out, Alec. Diss to Alec. Praise to the Diamondbacks in summary. Thanks. So, um, just excited to see what the D-backs can do. Oh, man, this is, this is all I play for. Um, 
and just getting another dose of it. You know, I missed it. And I don't want to say we turn it on in the playoffs, but it's definitely a different energy. I mean, you can feel it from shoot around uh, to the game and, you know, the energy of the fans, they feel it also. So you know, it's, it's been fun. Also, the Phoenix Suns are absolutely dominating. And so let's hit that before so Ben can give us a good take here. The Phoenix Suns are absolutely dominating the Mavericks. Luka Doncic looks like a fraud. In fact, superstar my ass, dude. MVP who? I don't know. I hate to agree with Skip Bayless, but you can't be a superstar if you score 40 points but give up 86 points on the pick and roll in one game. I mean, you're literally a negative 46 on two plays by yourself. Ben, is DeAndre Ayton the right pick after all? <laughs> uh, for Yeah, for the team they built around him. I mean, I'm, I think, you know, Luka offensively with a good, like a really good team around him, I think could be pretty unreal. Just the, you know, I'm not really a Luka hater, to be honest. I know that may disappoint you guys. I, I don't like him. I think he complains too much about fouls. I don't hate him in the sense uh, of his ability, I think, offensively at least, because clearly there's some issues on defense. But uh, I just he's got, like, crazy strength and body control, and he's just really smooth, and he finds good passes. But, uh, you know, I, I last night he was obviously super exposed on defense. I think he's over, you know, he, I don't think he's as good a shape as he could be in to be you know, a top five player doesn't play good enough defense to be a top five player. I think that's starting to become like, you know, there has to be some value for a two way player. Like the way that, like, I'd rather have Devin Booker than Luca at this point, which oh, yeah. I'm sure t- to you guys is, you know, obvious, but to the rest of the world is not. Um, that's a but, super cool take. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I feel. You know, I feel bad that I kind of doubted this team, although Booker being looking like he does now 100% didn't factor into my, you know, worry. Because if he's fully healthy, you know, I think the Pelicans series is a little less tight. But I do think this shows the Pelicans were, you know, are on the cusp of something. I think they are just a really pesky. That was a bad matchup for the Suns based on how they crashed the offensive glass, and they're really long and athletic and super physical, know, physical, super big, think, and can compete with the Suns in exactly. the, that way. So well, I think that was a you know that's a as bad of a eight seed as you want to draw in the first round, and they're well coached. And again, I think them being coached by the guy who knows the Sun system in and out is something that shouldn't be overlooked in how close that series was. Um, but I think this matchup with Dallas is awesome for the Suns for all those reasons we've, you know, said. And they, you know, I am just really love watching them right now. They seem super fired up even when things aren't going their way. You know, they did the fourth quarter thing again last night. Um, Mikael Bridges is fucking phenomenal, and I love him. And as long as you have Bridges and Aiden and Booker and Paul uh, and you get something out of whoever – you know, even even if you just get good defense out of Jay and some shooting from uh, Cam Johnson or, you know, any contributions to the bench, I just cannot wait for them. I think they're going to take it in, you know, probably five. I think Dallas will probably go lights out from three and they shoot enough of them for to maybe grab a game uh, in Dallas. I don't know, but I'm excited for the Western Conference Finals because that series of, you know, 
Memphis and Golden State is fun and interesting, and those teams will be gassed. And I'm ready for the Suns to go back to the finals. And does does this Mavs in. does this Mavs team remind you of the Nugs round two series last year? I think in a lot of ways, yeah, because it's very, you know, centered on a star, and the supporting cast isn't just isn't there. Like to to be fair to Luca, like I have been trying to be a little fair. Like the team around him is not good. Like there isn't even someone in this league. You need at least something close to a second star to be anywhere near like a and they like a serious playoff contender. And they won a lot of games, but like their second best player is Jalen Brunson. I guess I, I don't even know who you would consider their second best player. Maybe a Hardaway Junior. I don't know. Brunson had some well. Games, Brunson but, did average thirty in the Jazz series last round, which tells you everything you need to know about the Jazz too. Yes. <laughs> Yes, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm like. Jalen Brunson shouldn't be the second best player on your team. So I feel for I don't feel bad for Luca, but like he deserves to have that considered when talking about him, uh, in my opinion. But fucking Suns are going to the finals and I cannot wait to celebrate with all of you when we win the finals this year. So um, thanks for having me on the pod, boys. I love you. Keep keep up the good work. Uh, And uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing the rest of it. Get her done, Ben. Thank you for joining us. See you, fellas. Thank you, Ben, again for joining mm-hmm. us. Great points. Always a legendary guest. Absolutely. We watched that D-backs thing and the Cardinals thing to get Ben on. But I think more than anything, the Cardinals and the D-backs, like, we'll have a lot to talk about as the summer goes on there. Um, and, Alec, what, do you, what did you pick up from Ben's points there? Like, obviously, you know, me making fun of Luca about how he's not really a superstar is a little – you know, hyperbolic, but at the same time, like the guy doesn't play defense and to Ben's point, like the team, like, isn't very good around him. So it's like, you know, are they outperforming where they should be? Is Luca the only reason why they're even, they beat the jazz. Like also, does this show you how much the jazz absolutely suck? Like I told you last podcast or um, what, what stands out to you? Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there. So Ben Ben said he was going to be uh, kind of nice to Luca. I will not be. Uh, Luca is an overweight blob who gets all this validation because he can score. Yes, but the great thing about the game of basketball is that it's not a one sided offensive only sort of scheme. Which just when you see players like Luca, it just highlights how important Devin Booker is, and it just infuriates you more of the lack of recognition that he gets because not only does he try, you know, not only does he try on defense, Luca doesn't even try, but Booker's actually improved every year on defense. And honestly, I would say now is a good defensive player, not just a serviceable one, a good one. I mean, he locked Luca down to a shot clock violation last night. Like who, who else has a superstar that does that? That's pretty high. Honestly, I think that, that, that to me was like a big possession for D book. Cause I think that's like the first time, on the national stage, he had like a de- defensive possession where he locked down like an MVP, what people consider an MVP type superstar like that. And Luca had no answer there. Like that was that was like a real like yo Devin Booker is a great defender. Mavs ten of nineteen, fifty three percent from three has been the difference. All the things you pointed out. Booker watching Doncic one to fire the defense there the shot. Barbecue chicken alert. Barbecue chicken alert. Barbecue chicken alert. It goes underappreciated, but it's important in the win category. Like, 
oh, Luca puts up 35 points, like, congrats, and he got exposed on defense for 90. So, like, how how important was the 35 points there? Like, I'll take the guy that plays defense and scores 25 a game. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the big stat here, just real quick, the big stat for Luca on defense was that um, I forget exactly what the stat's called, but it's a one. it was a 1.8, like, PNR or something like that, which basically just means, like, the average amount of points scored on a possession that Luca is defending, and 1.8 means like basically you're scoring every single time you go at Luca, which is literally that 1.8 number is higher than what a free throw is. So it's basically like an automatic scoring if you go at Luca, which you know, as you saw in that fourth quarter, is what they did, and it was, and he looked awful. and. Um, on one hand, it's like the Suns are that good, though, that they can take advantage of it. Chris Ball is the point god. And I'm not sure other teams can take advantage of it quite like the Suns can. You're, manip- you're like manipulating possession. You're going to find, if you want, if you know the other team's switching, you're going to find the matchup. You're going to hunt. You might run five different ball screens until you get the fifth defender bugs, that you want. Why the hell not? When we ran floppy, right? Every time I ran floppy, did you come off the left side? Of course. You, no, 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 no. Oh, no. Uh, well, yeah, okay. okay, you came off the left side. To my right hand. Exactly. Right. So are you manipulating or are you just trying to get to the best spot for you to be efficient? I, again, <laughs> I'm not saying that I didn't manipulate at times. My larger point here <laughs> is that there were certain possessions that I manipulated. Yeah. Or certain pos- I have thought the game every possession. Yeah. But not to the level... Like you're a, you're a sick fuck, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I you remember during the Pelican series? I think Crowder brought it up and Booker mentioned it too. They were talking about the uh, the pigeon, which yeah. uh, for those that did not watch that press conference, basically it's a basketball term that everyone kind of knows. It's been around there for a while. That it's a guy or a matchup that you like, so you'll try to switch out to get that guy on you because you know you can take him. And, you know, usually it's some, you know, you try to get a point guard on a big that well, can't who was it, who move was well. It in the, who was it in the Pelican series, just for an example? I mean, it, it changes on depending on who's in, but it was really a, a lot of like Larry Nance out on Chris Paul was a big one. They loved going to that one. And going after CJ McCollum on D2. And, and CJ McCollum. And, but like, you know, usually with a, with a small guy, like a guard, you try to get a big guy out on him. Like we're, we're mm-hmm. lucky with Aiden. He can guard – the guard played pretty well, but a lot of bigs are just, you know, they're not quick enough. They can't really do that. But the fact that a point guard is going after another point guard, like that's just, that's not a usual situation. And Chris Paul was absolutely hunting Luka Doncic the entire fourth quarter. And well, I mean, you could see in the second half, I think, you know, the big adjustments at the Suns, I think you're bringing up great points. Um, like as always, honestly, but um, the first half, you know, they just let Luca cook because Luca can cook. Luca is going to get his points no matter what, you know, which is what I kind of said when we did. We didn't do a pod before this one. You know, I just we didn't. I don't know. Like, I didn't really see the need to, to be completely honest, because everyone kind of understood what the Mavs series was going to be. Um, I thought we threw some good points in there for the boys. Lots of lots of the boys were on point with how they thought the series was going to go. Was surprised that anyone thought this would go um, to six games. Shout out Bender there. Some Dallas Homer stuff right there. I respect it. Um, but also just want to point out DeAndre Ayton 
Brooklyn's ability to stay on the floor when the Mavericks go small is the one of the three keys to why the Suns are absolutely dominating this game or are going to dominate the series. And you know why that's a big deal? Is because you know who couldn't do that? Rudy Gobert in the Jazz series versus the Mavs. It's like the fatal flaw of Rudy Gobert and why he's not actually a championship caliber center versus like, and even Jokic, honestly. It's like there's there's two different types of tiers of centers. There's Joel Embiid, there's DeAndre Ayton, there's Bam, playoff elite centers, and then there's Jokic and Gobert, who like, not to diss Jokic because he's awesome. I respect him. But he's not. He can't. You see, he's got swept out of the playoffs now a few times. I had, and then Gobert, that just sucked. And so I think, you know, that's just a great point there about why the defensive versatility of Aiton is amazing, and it cannot be overstated how valuable that is to a Suns team. Agree with you completely. Um, and I actually have to give you credit, and I think this is actually a good point. To also, shout out McCain. He sent us a a nice message at the end of last week, right? Uh, I think right before game six of the Pelican series. Hey, I think, uh, I think the Suns are going to end up pulling it out in new Orleans. Don't want to jinx us, but, um, I think we're going to go ahead and win this series. I think the big theme after everything said and done is that the Pelicans were actually a pretty solid team. Um, a couple of really good players, Brandon Ingram, um, Herb Jones, really good defender. So credit where it's due. Valanciunas, goodness, he's he's like JaVale McGee plus, in my opinion. Played awesome. Credit to them. They'll be a force in the future. And uh, go Suns. Um, basically echoing kind of what you had been saying earlier when people were kind of concerned Booker went down, it was one, one in the series and pretty much everyone wrote us off like, Oh, son's dream was dead, which, you know, we all knew that was a little bit of an exaggeration. Uh, but at that point in time, you said, and he echoed that in his message that, you know, maybe it wasn't the Suns were playing that badly, but just the fact that the Pelicans were a worse matchup for us than either the Mavericks or the jazz would have been. I kind of gave you some grief for that. And, uh, I'll uh, tip my cap to you because I think you were 100% right. I think he's right as well. The Pelicans, I think, were a way worse matchup for us. Obviously, having Booker back is a little little bit of a help and a little bit different. You know, it might be a little Definitely. bit of a closing series. But just, yeah, I, I just think that the Pelicans were a tougher, tougher draw for us. Um, and it wasn't necessarily – I mean, we didn't play great, but I think they got in our heads and affected our rhythm a little bit. And uh, shout-out Willie Green. He coaches the right way. I kind of felt bad when he was crying at the end of that game there because he just has so much heart and passion, you know? You know, that's, yeah, that's, no, I respect, those are the, those I are the stats Willie I love Green. most. You I know? respect Willie Green, but also, like, there was four dirty-ass plays in that series that, like, I don't want to, like, sweep under the rug because it was, like, a tough-fought series. Those were some dirty-ass plays. And sure, Willie but Green's that's lucky. That, Willie Green's lucky that the Suns consider him part of the family because – the eight and elbow to the forehead, the two tackles, and the whatever, I, everyone else. You know what the four plays are. We talked about them. Those were dirty, and they should not have been allowed. And no, uh, for sure. Not, but and like, but I will to your point though. Like the Pelicans have elite defenders and Herb Jones, and they're long, and they can out rebound with Valanciunas. Then like 
And so all that was going for them. And I think to that point, it's like the Mavs have none of that. They got none of that. Yeah. Either way, the Jazz or the Mavs would have been were so easy in comparison to the Pelicans, just the way they played yeah. feisty. And no, so, you were, you were, and you were one hundred percent right about that. So props to you, props to Mac for pointing that out. Uh, I agree with both of you. Hindsight is twenty twenty. After you can watch these first two games, I, I'm a little curious. Uh, ben kind of mentioned, you know, maybe they go lights out from three, whatever. I feel like they've been shooting pretty well from three overall. Um, yeah, I mean, they shoot it, they've been shooting like pretty close to 50% the whole time. Yeah, and like they shoot a ton of threes and they were splashing a fair amount of them and we still managed to weather. I, you know, unless he's talking going nuclear like 70% from three, I, I still pending, you know, like a Scott Foster assignment or just a weird fluke game from the Suns, I don't see how this series goes more than four games. I don't think we come back from Dallas and have to play another game, but maybe, maybe Ben's right. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Where do you stand on that? Uh, that's an excellent point. I, I don't think that they can go nuclear like that. Like, they have a lot of shooting, but Max Kleber and um, Bertans being on the floor, like, they're they're even worse than Luka defensively. Um, and so while that helps, like, in the first quarter or when before CP3 turns into CP4 there and just fourth quarter annihilates everybody, um, I think what I saw in game one was that the Mavs can't hang. And then what I saw in game two was that in a game where everything was going exactly how the Mavs would like a game to go, where it was like choppy, lots of fouls everywhere, um, mostly going against the Suns. It was going against everybody. Like, I'm not going to say it was like, you know, just against the Suns because that was like one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen in my entire life. But Aiden wasn't able to play because he had a bunch of shitty fouls against him, and so we had a lot of Bismarck Biombo minutes, who, I mean, I don't know if people appreciate Bismarck Biombo, man, because this dude doesn't even know if he's playing every night, and he just comes in whenever he's in, and he just hustles so fucking hard, and he gives you just straight energy, and he just hustles on defense, and yeah, he doesn't look as smooth or DA or Javel, but he just, for a third-string center, he's so freaking good, and I don't think that's appreciated enough, honestly. Um, which is why I try to shout him out and my full Bismarck Biombo all caps love there. Um, just an absolute monster. I think though that realistically Scott Foster will ref one of the games in Dallas. Um, he already did his um two East Coast games, and now he's on the West Coast. Um, and so realistically, I see him refing us for one of those games. But to be honest, I don't know how you could call it worse than what was called last game. Um, and so with that said, like, obviously fourth quarter with the Suns just like shot insane. And like, do I expect them to do that again? Like, probably not, I guess. But also like CP3 does that every fourth quarter. It seems like right now he just saves himself for that. Um, um, I do have concerns. Like Ben said, it's like, you know, without, if it's not eight, eight in CP3 book, Mikhail, you know, just gives you everything on defense and will occasionally blow up, but always gives you, like, good offense, usually, like, 8 to 10 points, which you need. And then it's just randomly, like, either Jay Crowder or Cam Johnson. Cam Payne and Shemet suck ass, dude. They're Cam so Payne's, bad. Cam Payne's had a good series. Dude, he was negative 14 at the end of the game last game. Negative 10. He was negative 10 at the end of the game where everybody else was plus. 
Yeah, plus, so plus minus that they're misleading. Campaign and Landry Shamet literally lost the whole entire lead when they were playing in those like 10 minutes just by themselves when Luca wasn't even in the game. And so I think that campaign can obviously go off. We've seen it. Shamet, you know, honestly, Shamet has been coming around these playoffs. Like he's not as good as he should be. But he gives you some solid play there, and he's like a bottom-of-the-rotation guy. So, I don't know. But I, I realistically, at most, see this as five, and I could see a sweep. And the only way I see them winning is Luka going for, like, literally 50. And then Jalen Brunson will eventually have a good game. Like, I just think that's likely. Um, someone has to have a good game. And you know we'll see, but the thing is, is yeah, like, the, really yeah, that someone was Maxi Kleber game one hitting five threes. Game one and game two went like I think that's you know game one like the Mavs did make the run to potentially pull that out, and they just couldn't do it at all, um, which I think was on Monty trying to pull the guys too early, honestly. Um, and the game two like uh, it was close, and then it just wasn't within like eight minutes, and so I I don't really see. I'm not discounting it. But I don't see it either. I don't. I don't consider it likely. Yeah. the The reason, you know, selfishly that I need this to be a, a four game sweep is not just to be like, oh, I was right, Suns and four sort of deal. Uh, not just to eliminate any possibility of an insane comeback and the Suns getting knocked out, but because these next two games are on ESPN which I never thought I'd be thankful for an ESPN broadcast, but we don't have to hear Reggie Miller's <laughs> voice for at least two games. So if we close it out now, we don't have to hear his bum ass until at least the Western Conference Finals. So selfishly, I just need that to have. I don't think I can take another game of Reggie Miller. When you threw it on the group, me, I don't think I recognized like how bad it was at that point. But then like shortly thereafter, I was like, this is ridiculous. And the fact that he thought, first of all, I'm not sure that was a foul on DeAndre Ian. To be honest, that like open foul that turned into a flagrant one. Oh, you, you mean but when just, when yeah? But because he clearly got fouled before the elbow crosses, and so it's like whatever. But then on top of that, to for someone to suggest that that could be a flagrant two, I mean that's just that's just nonsense, and like that's disappointing because Reggie Miller is one of the like one of the greatest players of the nineties. And talk about a dude who can really tell you the ins and outs of what it's like to do what the like do what the Suns just did in that fourth quarter. Like he's that guy who could go nuclear like that. I don't know. Just disappointing by Reggie Miller, honestly. Yeah. No. Sun, Suns are going off, and he's somehow finding a way to praise Doncic for getting blown by for the fourth straight possession. Uh, just kind of on that same level, that same topic. Did you see the uh, post game little clip that I sent? I sent you guys of when they were asking uh, Booker yes. and CP3 about, you know, oh, how important is it to like try to make Doncic work and blah blah blah. And they just gave that little like glance to each other and just kind of had to hold in a laugh. Playing a, a guy like Luka Doncic and how important is it to make him work defensively as far as running into a lot of actions, especially late in the game when he's clogged heavy minutes like. That. Uh, we just try to play. Um, take what the defense gives us. All series, just, we got two games. We just don't keep it. Obvious, too, from, like, their post-game pressers. Like, those guys, 
you know, you have to have somewhat of an ego to be a professional basketball player. Like, you know, with that level of winning that cutthroat mentality, like there's a level of ego there. And I'm sure that those guys, you know, they don't, they probably try not to listen to it too much and just focus on their game. But you got to know that they get irritated and annoyed with how much people are talking Luca this, Luca that while they're up 2-0 and putting on an absolute clinic. So I'm sure it feels great for them to kind of get to have those moments. CP3 and Book, like you know more about basketball than like everybody, not named LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Like that's how good, like, and like a few other, like there's guys that are like smarter than even like really smart NBA players. And Book and CP3 are obviously those guys. Um, and so they, they're probably just like, wow, these people are fucking idiots. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's like, you know, being a differential equations kid in high school and helping somebody out with like algebra two or like geometry. You're just like, <laughs> how is this even a question? Like, what are you talking about? Like, it just makes sense. It's probably um, what Jordan was feeling all throughout high school. Yeah. Maybe. But I, I just, um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, um, I feel like this series is pretty much locked up. I think, you know, I don't. I don't really know what else to say about it. Like you can't. Like we've said, you can't count your chickens. Anything can happen. Two elites get blown. Yeah, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. If that, DeAndre but... Ayton and CP3 and Book all foul foul out and or get injured in the next two games, like we're talking about something completely different. Like, yo, our playoffs are over. Knock on wood that that doesn't happen. Yeah, but no, you. Yeah, but it, it, you're you're exactly right. Like, there's that game too especially if you're Jason Kidd, like, especially in that first half, everything that could have possibly gone your way went your way and you were still only up two and then just got absolutely run out of the gym in the second half. So it's not like, you know, oh, we're just waiting for them to finally play a good game and blah, blah. Like, I think we've seen what they can do and I don't think that they have enough to overcome us. It's like Jason Kidd in these press conferences, just like someone else needs to help Luca, And it's like, well, the way Luca plays, he's very heliocentric. He's very much like Jokic. Obviously, he can have a bigger impact because he's a wing. And maybe if Luca could get Book or Chris Paul in foul trouble, but I just don't think he's there yet. Like he's, you know, he's even younger than Aiton, isn't he? I think he's what, like 22, 23? And yeah, so I think I, so. He's just not like there yet. And so I, I'm, not, I'm not hating on Luca. I think right now Luca's overhyped. I think Luca's talent's immense. I mean, the fact that he's scoring is I, – I mean, literally he's the only person who can score on the team, and he's giving you 40 because if not, you're going to lose by 60. And I, I'm with Ben where if he had some help – but, I mean, you look at the Christoph Porzingis thing. Like, I mean, Porzingis sucks overall, but a dude that you try to get another all-star to pair him with, that didn't work out at all. Like, who are you going to get to pair with Doncic? I don't know. And so, well, yeah, that's 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 what I say to the whole crowd too. That like you know still wishes. I think there's a smaller crowd now. I think more people have come to terms with the fact that like DeAndre Ayton was the right pick, but there's still a small crowd out there that's like, oh my god, imagine if Luca and Booker were together. And it's like, dude, they wouldn't work together. They would hate each other. Luca drove Porzingis out of Dallas, and like, yeah, Porzingis wasn't as good in Dallas as he was in his you know almost MVP season in New York, but. Like it's, he's very heliocentric. Like you said, he needs everything to go through him. He's a pudgy prima donna who doesn't play defense and turns the ball over. It's like, what kind of a superstar is this? No one wants to play with him. The fact that he doesn't have any help is his own doing, not just GM 
Well, and he doesn't play. He can't play off the ball. That's what I've seen. That's what's taken me by surprise. Like, truthfully, I think I've, I was one of those guys who was not like fully on board that Aiton was a better pick than Luca until, and I, I'm not sure that I totally am, but um, because Luca is a superstar for sure. But I think with, I think what thing that I've noticed in this series very specifically, and especially after last game, is if you were the Phoenix Suns and you took Luka Doncic, is that Luka Doncic and Devin Booker would not have been compatible basketball players. It would never work, no. And truthfully, I think that Devin Booker is extremely underrated. And at this point in his career, Luka Doncic is overrated, just because you can see the talent, obviously. But there's a difference similar to what I was talking about with like the centers and like Embiid and Bam and Aiton are like playoff elite centers versus like Jokic, Gobert, who are like, you know, maybe Jokic gets better, but Gobert specifically, like not as good in the playoffs. He's just not because he gets played off the floor. And Jokic has been swept now. And obviously that's not totally his doing because some of the nuggets are hurt. And, you know, to a degree that's valid. But I think there's like just a huge difference in what it takes to win a championship between what it takes to be an MVP player in the league at the moment. You know, it's seen by Russell Westbrook even. Um, exactly. You know, superstar, absolute superstar. You can't deny that Russell Westbrook is a superstar and or should be getting like if you put him in the right position, he's probably a lot better. But he's not a guy who plays that championship level basketball like CP3 does. And so. Yeah, we'll say about well, well, it's it's like what like what what would you rather have uh, a guy that they'll put on a highlight reel on ESPN because he went off for thirty points in a twenty point blowout that you guys lost, or would you rather have a guy that puts up nineteen, does the dirty work, and you win by twenty? Like, I'll take that guy every day of the week over a supposed superstar. So, yeah, well, and and I guess we'll just wrap it up here because I think we've said all we can be said. But just real quick. Grizz or Warriors? Who do you think's our next? Who do you think's in the conference finals? Oh, that's tough. I think I actually think the uh, injury to GP three is a huge loss for the huge Warriors. Loss. Uh, I think they're always dangerous because Steph and Clay are liable to just you know be the Splash Bros of old. Um, and I think I think the Grizzlies have have some issues where they're clearly a very good basketball team, um, but they're young and inexperienced, and they give up a lot of you know big leads and they also give up a lot of uh you know they, they had some close plays that they ended up going their way in that Timberwolves series but they also just don't have that poise to close out a lot of times so i i think it's going to come down to a uh you know how how out of his mind can jaw keep playing because he's kind of been carrying that team uh they're also going to be without dylan brooks next game because of that dirty play yep. uh he's a piece of shit too he always was even at oregon yep. um so i just i think that the experience of the Warriors might actually come into play, and I think they might be able to pull it out. Okay. But I think in terms of just, you know, who's the better team right now, I think you got to give that edge to the Grizzlies. So I'm actually undecided on that series. I just want it to be a long, brutal series that just drags as long as it can and tires everybody else out. Real quick then, do you got Miami over the Sixers? Yes. Do you have Celts or Bucks? I have Celts. You have Celts. Okay, then yeah. you have the Celts or the Heat? Uh, I think that's going to be a good series. I think I would take the Heat. Okay. I like that. I think that's crazy. I think the Heat are still I, an absolute well, wild card right now. One last thing I, I, I do want to throw in there, though. It is funny. I saw on my on my Twitter timeline a little bit uh, after game one, a bunch of Boston fans bitching about Giannis just barreling over people. Yeah. 
and it's just funny to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's just funny to see. Like when we were bitching about this last year, everyone just told us that we were whining, complaining, blah blah blah. Stop fouling so much. Then if you're over it, yeah. It's funny to see it happen to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I did. I did enjoy that. Gave me a good chuckle. So. I, I'm with you. I think the injury to Chris Middleton, I think, really hurts the Bucks. I think that Giannis can still pull out, pull that out. But I think um, Sixers are dead, in my opinion. I think they probably could get swept if Joe Embiid doesn't play Game Three. Um, TBD on that Celts. I think winner of Celts Bucks is probably in the finals. Um, Fair. And then I think I think the suspension of Dylan Brooks. I think that means Warriors take Game Three. I think. And if they take game three, I have to see them taking game four at home as well. So I think a 3-1 lead's tough to blow when you got that type of championship caliber. Um, and, yeah, man, I just hope the Suns stay healthy. And if they stay healthy, man, I, I think the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan said. So lots to be excited about right now. Yeah, hopefully next time we uh, hit up the, the next episode of the podcast, we'll be talking about the uh, Suns' easy sweep and just – waiting on the Western conference finals. So, uh, shout out Ben. He did an excellent job as always, uh, brings his a game pretty much every time and he makes it just seamless. So we appreciate the uh, guest appearance. Absolutely, man. And, appreciate and also you. Shout out, I appreciate you, bro, but also shout out AMAC for leaving us some messages. You know, he, he's always been the one that's been spearheading that and we love that he keeps it up. So shout out Mac. Yeah. Shout out to all our DHP listeners and all the people who want to get on the pod. We appreciate you boys. Obviously, it makes it a lot easier for me and Alec when uh, there's some some external perspectives rather than us being in our little Cuse and Hans pub bowl over here. So, not that we're never, not that we're you know wrong because we're not. But no, we're we're never wrong. I don't I don't think people give you or me enough credit, honestly, dude. Especially you, bro. You're coming out I hot agree. every fucking pod. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, but all right, bro. DHP buys the dust. Excellent pod, sir. Yep. Peace, bro. Peace.